the financial dads are not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, tax or other advice in or by virtue of this podcast. Hello, welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now, here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast. Today's guest, Curtis May, is the host of the Practical Wealth Show podcast and the creator and owner of Practical Wealth Advisors. Curtis has been planning for individuals for more than 35 years, and he is passionate about helping his clients save money and live the very best life they can right now. The primary focus of his financial planning firm is to help individuals and families become financially free by following the principles of wealth creation that have endured for centuries around the world. Curtis, welcome to the show. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was this was great. Uh, thanks for doing the show with us. We really appreciate it. Um, I, I definitely so want to use my voice. So if I sound funny, uh, you, it was the first time you heard me, but I do sound funny because I just I'm uh, three days into the flu. So yesterday I couldn't talk at all. So I'm sitting here with water and tea. So, uh, you know, not and Curtis, yeah, yeah, I'm thankful <laughs> and grateful. Um, uh, we I would have definitely postponed it for you, um, but I appreciate you jumping on. Um, and I hope you feel better soon. Um, and and I think that this is an exciting topic uh, around privatized banking system because um, I think I've heard of something similar in the past, but I really wanted to kind of dig deep because it did look fascinating as we as I started digging in. But before we jump into kind of the, the privatized banking system and and other questions, I'd love to hear a little bit more about yourself and your journey. So, long story short, I've. Uh... Married 24 years, father, three daughters, uh, and I've been in the financial world for, so I got my insurance license originally in 1985, let's put it that way. And uh, I was, uh, I realized, Paul, the NBA was not looking for 5'11", two guards. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I got my insurance license during, during, the, during the season. And, um, you know, I started out, you know, part-times. Uh, it was like a side hustle, you know, and I, I got investment license. I, if I name, I'm not going to name it, but that the, the company, you know, specialized in, in bottom investor difference. And I actually did that for 15 years, you know, was a vice president with that company. And then I read a little purple book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it kind of rocked my world in terms of the philosophy of there's a difference between how middle income people handle money and how rich people handle money. And that's going through the bibliography, I stumbled into a book. You know, it's, it's amazing when you start looking what you find, right? And I, st- I fell, some, I don't even know how I got it. I ran into uh, the book by, um, it might have just come out. Uh, this is like 2000, uh, Nelson Nash's book, Become Your Own Banker. And just pulling all that stuff together. I lived through a few market crashes, started to question. Uh, I lost my religion, so to speak, in, in equities. And, but I just didn't know what to do with what I was learning yet. So it took me a little while to figure it out and kind of get my philosophy and framework together. But anyway, so I was doing that, but I love working with clients. I've always taken an educational approach, you know, and, um, uh, cause I'm a nerd, right? So I'm, I found that I'm very good at, um, uh, curating information. Like I could, I could research something and, uh, uh, within a, 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 
a day or so, I could draw to you on a yellow pad, right? Mm. And so I realized that was my strength is curating, educating, and simplifying, hopefully. (laughs) And, um, you know, I kind of leaned into that and I felt that, you know, money was exciting. You know, I come, I'm a third generation business owner, so it didn't really scare me. My family on the supermarket growing up in Philly, grandfather was in business, my father's in business. And I, you know, the funny thing is I never got that go get a good job talk. Mm. You know, most people talk, go to school, get education, get a good job. I never got that talk. My dad, I heard from the time I was seven, boy, you'll never make any money work for somebody else. So <laughs> I had a whole different, you know, uh, upbringing uh, along with that. You know, we employ other people. And uh, so you're not looking for a job. I thought you majored in business to go into business. It didn't occur to me to get a job. You know, I've had jobs. I remember I had this old Robert Allen book. Uh, creating wealth, and he I, somewhere in there he said it's always stuck with me. A uh, job is a temporary inconvenience <laughs> to give you the to basically uh, give you the cash flow you need to get your thing going, right? And so I've always viewed it as that. And so whatever your vehicle is, whether it's real estate or your business, I always viewed a job as financing my apprenticeship because I sucked at this. I wasn't any good at it. I'm introverted. And um, I had to learn, I had to grow into what I was doing. That is fascinating. Yeah, I, you said so many things that could go on a different tangent to a whole other podcast episode. <laughs> um, and, and it's so funny. I'm staring at my bookshelf. I have Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I have the cash flow quotient. Um, so I'm a big fan of, of his work and, and have read it. And, and I agree with you. Uh, my my other personal finance um, person I used to listen to a lot was Dave Ramsey. So he was somebody that I had listened to a lot. Um, but some of the stuff that you're talking about, I think could be a whole other podcast, which is amazing. But I think we'll we'll stick with this and hopefully you'll be okay. back for another <laughs> podcast with me. I'd love to hear more about what is private a privatized banking system. And you mentioned Nelson Nash. And I mm-hmm. believe you had said before we started taping, um, it's really based on his philosophy. So I'd love to hear the way that you are approaching uh, privatized banking, the privatized banking system, but more importantly for our listeners, what, what is it? So let's start with that because it's a concept. A lot of, there's a lot of misinformation out there because it's a, it's, you know, deals with life insurance. And so people will call me and they want, you know, a whole life or not getting to in the products, but basically privatized bank is a concept. All banking is a, just another, uh, it's another word for banking is storage, right? So the question I ask people is where do you store your cash? Where's the best place to store cash, right? And so private family banking is just creation and utilization of a pool of money, right? Creating a pool of money that is controlled by a private individual and is the one who puts the money in the bank, money that you own and control receives the profits of the bank. So all you're doing, it's, 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 a, it's, it's not a magic money. It's just a saving strategy, right? And so we use proper, so I'm going to say a few very important words. We use properly structured dividend paying whole life as a place to store your liquidity, right? And so we overfund it. And then our, what our clients do is we capitalize, which means you have to save some money. And then we can now, uh, collateralize, borrow the insurance company's money using your money as a, as a, as the, as a collateral, right? And then you can use that to buy. What we teach people to do is you can use for two reasons for major capital purchases. 
Anything that you can't pay for in full within your monthly cash flow or for opportunities to make more money. And then the key is you, you have to pay yourself back. So it's a, it's a, it's really a system of money management. And so a lot of people that will talk about, they'll hear uh, insurance and, you know, most like the talking heads have no idea what we're talking about because there's maybe 2000 insurance companies, only about 12 or 15 that you can do it right, that have the right riders to set it up right. And then out of that, there's maybe, I don't think there's 2000 agents that know how to do it right, honestly, okay? Mm. And uh, <clears throat> because, I, you know, I, I go to the Infinite Banking Think Tank every year, and there's a small universe of people that know this stuff. Like, a lot of people bastardize the system. And uh, so it'll go under banker yourself, private family banking, privatized banking, infinite banking, if you're an authorized practitioner. Sometimes in my system, we'll call it the private reserve strategy, just because some insurance companies don't like banking, right? So I just like to... You know, I want people to understand it's it's saving uh, because it's the number one problem, Paul, I see. And this is what part of what what it does for you is most people don't. The number one financial problem I see is lack of capital, lack of access to capital. Right. And so if you don't have access to money and you are out of work or you have a big bill, what do you have to do? You have to go into debt. So it puts a lot of pressure on. So. Like in our system, banking is really step two, right? Because so I teach, and I'll go into the framework. So the but all let me just finish the thought. So all banking is is because uh, the concept of banking is this: there's three players in the play. There's the bank in in regular world. Let's look at how banks mm -hmm. make money. So there's the banker. No, there's the depositor, right? The, the, do you work? Your money goes into somebody's bank, Bank of America, for example. Uh, there's the bank. Right. And then there's the bar. So most of us are two of those. Right. We're either the depositor or we're the borrower. Right. And so what happens is, but who makes all the money in that transaction? The bank. Right. And so the bank may have, I was at a meeting and this guy who, who owned the bank showed us his books. He's like, listen, he had a cost of money of like 0.64%. Okay. And he was making like 7%. Mm. On on money, so I was like, it's, it's not about the insurance. It's like, hey, what if you could duplicate this business model in your personal economy, where you could get, you know, uh, and so what if you could be the depositor, the saver, right? You could control the money, the bank, and you could be the borrower for your needs, for your personal economy, for your cars, for your major capital purchases. Because what happens is. The problem is we give most of our money away because we give up control of the money, right? And 35 cents of every dollar, according to Nelson Nash, leaves most people household in a form of debt, debt to others, right? And so one of the things that we teach, listen, you could be a, a customer in a bank or you could be the bank. Well, banking is just creating a pool of capital and then you can begin to systematically it takes time. It's like a five, you know, three years, five years, not a get rich quick thing, right? Mm -hmm. it, you know, to systematically buy back third party debt so that instead of money leaving, you know, if you read, you read Rich Dad Porter, right? So an asset is something that puts money in your pocket. A liability takes money out, right? So if you have debt, that debt 
on your balance sheet is a liability, but on the bank's balance sheet is an asset, right? That payment is their expense, but their expense is your, I mean, your, your expense is their income, right? Mm. So what if you could reverse the polarity of why don't you take control of that function so you can get the money interest moving towards you rather than away from you? All right. So that that I'm a, I'll have to, I'll give you all a link to a video where you can break it down. No, no, uh, I thought but, you uh, you put it well. I think you you mentioned before kind of doing a lot of research and then simplifying it. I think that might be your superpower, right? Where you're able to take complex situations or 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 mechanisms and you're able to break it down. So I I, I I'm definitely able to understand what you're talking about. And what I loved is that you you mentioned early on in describing it that this this, you have to make the investment. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme, right? You have to put the money in. You have to be able to kind of fund and get started and, and, and put all those pieces together in terms of in order to kind of Yeah, you get have to going, make the investment right? in learning, right? Mm -hmm. Because the concepts. A lot of people don't want to – like, I won't let even let people do it uh, if they don't read Nelson Nash's book first, Okay. And or certain things, because it's not a gimmick to sell life insurance. It's a system of money management. And if you're too lazy to, it's your money. It's not Curtis's money, right? right. So it can't be more important to me than it is to you. So if you can't read an 85-page book to learn about money and how to take control of your personal economy, don't call me. Got it. Got it. And then, I, yeah, no, no, this is all great stuff. I'm just, uh, I'm digesting it in terms of... Um, you know, when when maybe you could tell us a little bit about Nelson Nash. Um, it seems like you, you've you've read a lot of his um, teachings and a lot of his uh, advice and and his 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 the way he's been able to kind of lay the system out. Can you tell us a little bit about him? I I know we can have people Google it, but maybe in oh, a nutshell. Oh yeah, Nelson was educated as a. Um, he passed away about three years ago. I was playing out the last think tank. I was sitting behind him. Wow. And. Uh, he uh, just brilliant guy. He was a, uh, there's something out there called, this would turn me on to Austrian economics, right? So if you, there's three schools of economics, Keynesians, which is what the world thinks about the Chicago school, Milton Freeman, and there's the Austrians, right? And so it's more of like a free market approach to economics. So he'd studied that for like 50 years. So it just kind of came together for him. And then in the book, he talks about, um, the book is like 85 pages and it's so much wisdom. It's simple talk. So people miss it. Right. And it's really a system about ownership. Right. So he talks about in the book, uh, the grocery store. So Nelson, we talk about, I mean, he makes it simple. He makes it simple. You still have to read a book like four times to, to, to get it, to get the mm. simplicity of it. Because what happens is how you think about money and how your financial advisors teach you about money is causing you to fight it. The simplicity of it. Because you think it's all about rate of return. Like one of the things Nelson talks about is that because he was because he thinks long range. So one of the things that Nelson talks about is the four tenets of banking. Think long range. Don't be afraid to capitalize. Put money in. Save money. Basically means save money. Mm -hmm. So in our system, we teach what? Save fifteen percent or more of your gross income, right? Let me define savings. Safe, liquid, accessible, guaranteed. So that doesn't count money going to a 401k safe liquid will sell. And that's not your money anyway. That's another story. 
and uh <laughs> talk about another podcast and uh you know um what did i say so i'm lightheaded y'all i had the flu so that's okay that's okay you're, <laughs> so, you're talking about uh and maybe that's where i think you were starting to put together kind of the mechanics and that was actually my next question was mm-hmm. so you know once again you have somebody a family they want to start this program what are kind of those steps and you mentioned they have to save 50 percent of their income like Take us through a, a successful path of somebody who today, you know, is not using that system. And then, you know, I don't know if it's five years later, three years later, whatever that duration is, where they're, t- you know, they're at the point where they're successfully in the system, using the system, and it's part of their their life. I'd love to hear a little bit how that happens. Right. So what I teach is something called principles-based planning. Okay. So infinite banking or the private reserve. What we teach you is really step two in my system. Okay. So kind of, I find that I, I put a planning wrap around it. So principle-based planning is based. So there, here's the framework. Principles drive strategy and the strategy drives tactics. Okay. Tactics are products you buy. So products are last. Products are never first thing in any discussion when it comes to personal finance. If you're getting that run because there's no financial product that will take in and of itself, that's going to take you to glory financially. None. Okay. And so what we teach are the five principles. So the principles, which now make sure that you have a framework that has, that is unchanged. You have a way to deal with stuff when it comes at you financially is, so the first principle we teach is save, right? Save what? Save 15% of your gross income. Now I'll give you a little caveat. So one of the things that we do is we teach people, step one is to, so here's some homework guys. So create, one of the things that we teach people is to create a separate checking account that we label your wealth capture account, right? And get yourself to, so here's what it means to pay yourself first, right? Richest man in Babylon, part of all your earnings yours to keep. So you say, well, all right, I make a hundred, I'm just going to rattle a number out, $100,000 a year. Let's say you have a job. And so that's $15,000 a year. Curtis wants you saving $15,000 a year. So now I would take that number and I would say, huh? Okay, microphone out here. And I would say, look, can you save? So I'm gonna get you grit. Cause if y'all do this, you don't hear anything, do anything else of that you hear me talk about today. This will kind of change your, your life if you just get in the discipline of doing this. So if you make 15, if you save 15,000, divide that by 26, that's five, yeah, 576 a pay. If I'm doing that right. So can you go to HR and say, listen, I want to take $576 of every pay and put it in this account. So I don't want debit cards associated with it. It's for wealth capture. It is for you to save it or to use it to buy or build cash flowing assets. So you have to pay yourself first. That's step one. Okay. The second principle, I'll go through the rest of these kind of fast, is the, the principle we teach of maximum protection. Okay. And so most people, even if they're really good investors when they meet me, they skip steps. They don't play defense. I'll tell people I'm your defensive coordinator. Okay. I don't give investment advice. And so, uh, defensive coordinator is protection. So I have people look at, we look at all their, their insurance starting with like their auto, their home, their umbrella. I had a successful real estate investor client of mine, $3 million worth of assets. So I got, you know, four LLCs. I was like, huh? Okay. I noticed you don't have any umbrella coverage. What's that? I says, well, if you were to get somebody slipped and fall to one of your properties, you were to get sued, 
you know, the uh, limit liability. Let's put the emphasis on limit. You know, the, the LLC is not your first line of defense. Like your first line of defense is insurance. And so I introduced somebody, got her a quote for um, $800 a year for like $2 million worth of umbrella coverage. So now you've got the insurance company's lawyers working for you, right? You know, most people don't have insurance if they get hurt. You know, you got to look at your auto, at your auto, your, uh, your, uh, your, your health, you, your life. Do you have asset protection? Do you have, uh, uh, so we actually cover all of that. So I'm a very comprehensive, you know, because people skip steps, right? Cause they, that's, that's not sexy. Right. And so I'm bringing sexy back cause that insurance is sexy. Right. <laughs> and, uh, the, um, the third pillar is legacy. So we want full replacement of assets at death guaranteed. That's why I don't use guys. If you hear this, I don't use universal life because it's not guaranteed. I need certainty. Like there's an economic value of certainty. Right. And so what we call it, leaving a legacy of wealth and wisdom. Okay. It says in the Bible, wise man leaves inheritance for his children's children's children. You do that with insurance. Okay. And, um, but we teach on the living benefits of insurance, but it is important because last time I checked, nobody gets out of here live. Okay. <laughs> the fourth principle I feel better as I start talking about this, all right? And uh, the fourth principle is liquidity. See, most people are way too illiquid because they think, oh, I've got cash. i got to put money to work. i got to be invested. i got to be fully invested. No, you don't, okay? If you have one thing else, you say, listen, if you have money, opportunities will find you, okay? And, uh, and so what we teach is uh, 6 to 12 months of your income. Cash, cash equivalent, not cash, like sitting, sitting, or, or not just sitting in the bank. But, it, you know, when we, when I just find savings, safe, liquid, accessible, guaranteed, uh, then I want sit, the first 90 days is your emergency fund. And everything above that is your opportunity fund. Opportunity to do what? Buy or build cash flowing assets. And the fifth principle, this will get to another thing I know you want to talk about, is velocity. Called the velocity method. And uh, so one of the things I teach in the principles is velocity of money, which is an economic principle over accumulation. So most of the financial world is based on what we call the accumulation theory, right? Buy and hold, dollar cost average, got of debt, buy term investor difference, rule of 72, modern portfolio theory. But if you study institutions, they don't do any of that crap. Okay, that's what, that was the thing. What I've, my tagline is that you got to start to learn what to do, what they do, and not what they tell you to do. And uh, so they focus on turning money over. They focus on cash flow, leverage. And so those strategies work in personal finance. So our fifth principle is velocity and focus on buying assets that generate cash flow, right? So now the strategy, this is where banking comes in. Mm -hmm. There's a long way to get there, is that, because you got to have a foundation because see, to me, if, if you can't do principle one, you can't bank, mm. right? Because where the money comes from, the money comes from you saving, right? So if you can't save, that's why I've added a component called cash flow mapping. I think we'll get to is I got to find the money. Most people are making money and most wealth is lost by how they manage cash flow, right? So now I'm just giving you a better storage facility for your funds that you can, because what most people do is they save money, then they take it out. They save money mm. and they're, they're always putting and taking. And what they don't teach in personal finance is the idea of opportunity costs, right? What the money would have been worth had you left it lo alone, 
right? Now you can't really leave it alone because you, you need money. But what happens is if you, if you put it in the right place, uh, then you can collateralize it and allow your money to grow uninterrupted. Like compound interest works best over time uninterrupted. So if you can put it in a proper structured uh, permanent life insurance plan, you can access it through using insurance company money, but your money keeps growing. And so what, what, what people and see it's, it's, if you want to create maximum wealth, Paul, what I'm trying to teach is you have to create maximum efficiency, mm. right? Everybody's trying to hit the long ball, right? But I want you to stop giving money away. So my emphasis is on, all right, listen, there's five areas, <clears throat> uh, six areas, actually, you know, how people manage cash flow, how you pay your mortgages, taxes, how you fund qualified plans, how you pay for educational expenses, and how you pay for uh, big ticket items. There's more money lost in those six things than you'll ever make trying to pick winning investments, right? So, you know, what I want you to do is you've got a bucket, it's got holes in it. Let's plug the holes first, mm. right? And your bucket will still fill up. If you don't, you don't have to take big risks. Risk means probability of loss, not opportunity for gain. And uh, which is a way to, you know, people, uh, the, the street has you brainwashed, you know, no guts, no glory. No, yeah. No. No, this is amazing. I, I, I'm, I'm doing a lot of listening uh, because a lot of the things that you're talking about resonate with me. I, I, we did a whole podcast a long time ago about pay yourself first and the importance of it. I have a whole story, a family story behind that, that family friend, and I won't go into it here, but people can listen back. Um, but a lot of the things that you said resonated, having the basics, the proper insurance, and if you have good insurance, you're protected, right? And, and the insurance is there to protect you legally and all these different things. Yep. So all these things that you said kind of resonated. The, the one thing that kind of, when you get to that further stage, um, is, is it and the, the investment vehicles that you talk about? I know we talked a, a bit about the whole life, but does real estate play in? Do, yes, do other so investments that, play into kind of this financial plan? I'd love to hear so, a little yeah, bit more about that. So, yeah, so the investments that. are principle five, right? So the investments are you, right? So because investing is a plan. See, the financial plan, so we have a one-page plan called the Personal Financial Snapshot where we organize our clients' money into the five principles, right? How are you doing with this, okay? And then I don't sell investments, right? I say, look, you're... Here are the, so here's the way I, I approach it. And um, there's, there's four asset classes, right? That make, that make up the investment world, right? And so there's business. So if you look at the Forbes 400, let's study where rich people do, right? They're in business, they buy real estate, they buy paper assets, and they buy commodities, right? And so business, but you know, you know, I just want to do on my show. We interview people. So I want to let people know there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. And uh, like my favorite probably go-to asset class is business, right? Mm. Then it's real estate, you know, so you've got to figure out what you, I got people that they're, they're really the real estate investors are in business, which I'm trying to get people to understand, but they see themselves as investors, but you really got a business also. And, uh, but you look at that. So I don't really, like, I'm not a big mutual fund guy or, or uh, putting people into products because, you know, you what you want to do, you got to ask yourself what you want to be when you grow up. So we want our clients to become, so the financial principles I just talked about, we teach financial principles that help our clients become 
and remain financially free. All right. So the goal is financial freedom. What's financial freedom? Passive income, greater than your expenses. We so we have a saying, we have a newsletter called the cash flow near. So we call it getting to a position of F you, right? So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So which is passive income, twice your expenses, at least is your first level of financial freedom. And so you can't do that investing for capital gains because you can't control whether a market goes up or goes down. Right. And so I teach the five principles we talked about. I teach the, the three rules of investing. Let's talk about investment for a second. Right. What is the investment? So people say, well, I want to invest. What do you invest in? Oh, well, let, let, let's define investing before we go there. Okay. So I talk about the asset classes. Right. And so I, I always ask people, have you heard of uh, Warren Buffett? Right. So I have an yep. original thought. So I always try to bring in like, Examples, examples and, yeah. of, of where you can go to find this stuff. Right. And so I was just, oh, I had, I was looking, I have this book called the joy of compounding where this guy is studying, um, Charlie Munger and, um, Warren Buffett. Right. And so Warren Buffett's mentor is a guy by the name of Benjamin Graham. Right. So they're both Graham value investors. So I bought the book I've been talking about. So let me go buy this daggone book. So in the first book, the first chapter book came out in the forties. I got, I think I got the latest edition, but he says, uh, the first chapter is speculation versus investing. Now he was talking about the stock market. So he felt he had to delineate between those two things, even in what people think is, is gambling in the stock market. And he says, Here's an investment. An investment is something you put your money into or your capital into for your principal. We have safety of principle. Think about that. Okay. And you have a reasonable opportunity to make a profit. If it doesn't fit that definition, you are speculating or gambling. That's, so now, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's, you see that's, what I mean? Yeah. I love that. That definition. So now, what are most people doing with their money? What are they being yeah. trained to do? Most of them are speculating. Yeah. Most of them are gambling. They're not investing. You're not investing in a 401k. You're 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 not because they change the language. You're save for retirement. Your 401k. 401k is not saving because savings yeah. have no risk, right? And so you just have to. So that's why I try to see. I teach people how money works because you have to you have to learn the truth so you can get past people's sales pitch. Yeah, it is so true about the four hundred one k investments, and 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 in full transparency, that's I'm in the workforce. Um, I am, you know, I don't have my own company uh, and or my own business, and so um, that's the mechanism that I use, and, and most Americans, you know, I guess use. But I often hear when I talk to friends and and family anecdotally, yeah, you know, I'm putting as much as I can into my 401k and I hope at the end it works out. And I'm and I had a manager at once at one of my jobs to say, "Hope is not a plan. Hope is not a plan." Right. <laughs> I know. I can see you were going to say and and it's so funny because it is eye-opening. And and that's why I wanted to ask a little bit more about these different investment types. So, you know, where you um where you focus so some people I think are built Well, so here's, here's have, my, let me finish this yeah. part. Here's my yeah, three sure. rules of investing, right? So you stop looking for your one. You have to invest in your in certain three rules of investing. Invest in what you know, or invest in knowing. 
Okay. What see, because the, the whole market is predicated on easy. I'm just going to work. I'm going to give my money to these people. And then I hope it works out. Where has that worked in any other area of your life? If where you didn't take the time to learn, to be an expert, to study, to get good, it doesn't work. Okay. But it's based on most people's propensity uh, to basically be lazy and not want to think because, because the whole industry is based on, you don't have the time, the temperament, the training, the person manage your own money, give your money to us. Okay. And so <clears throat> the, so the first one is investing, what, you know, investing, what you can control or what you can influence the outcome of and don't chase returns. So like, that's my filter. Curtis, what do you think about Bitcoin? I don't know. I, um, cause does it fit my, what I'm trying to do? Can I control? Do I know it? No. Do I feel like investing in knowing it? No. Uh, can I control it? No. Then I'm either chasing returns or I have fear of missing out. So that will be a no, right? What do I understand? My businesses. Can I control my business? Can I control my marketing? Can I control my costs? Can I raise my prices? Can I lower my prices? I have control over it. I'll put a dollar and make a dollar back cow or $2. That's a hundred percent return. So, and so most of you don't have to be in business guys, you, but you want to be an entrepreneurial thinker because our tax code is designed for landowners and business owners, right? So you have to, you know, I don't care if you join Mary Kay on the side, right? You need a business. That's not even an option. Like people think that's an option. That's not optional. Okay. You need to, you need to do something in addition to, let me hit the 401k then for a second. Um, before I lose the thought. The uh, so qualified plans do two things. Think about this. They defer taxes. They don't save you money in taxes. They defer taxes and they defer the calculation of those taxes. Okay. And so, but here's a more accurate word, postpone. And so we got to ask yourself is, do I think in the future, would the government need more money or less? Mm. <laughs> so, okay. And uh, and they control the account, right? They change the rules. And so I want all my money there where I, where I, it's really not my money. It's because if you look at the money, it says uh, FBO for the benefit of Paul Fagan, right? It's not mm. your money. And so I'm not saying not do it, but I'm saying is you, you, most people do it to their detriment because they don't have access to capital. And they do too much. I don't let our clients really want to understand how I work. Don't do it past the match. So you got to ask yourself what, what, what deductions we'll have when I take the money out. Do I think tax will be higher, lower, the same? And so, guys, you just have to think down the road a little bit, knowing how they work and knowing what's going on. See, uh, uh, there's a saying, if you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. Yeah, that's so, very insightful. Yeah, Curtis wants you to know what's going on. You can make your own decision. I'm not here to tell you what to do. That's awesome. I, I find myself doing a lot more listening and, and not asking as many questions this episode. And I hope that's okay because I want the listeners to really digest this. We always tell the listeners to, like you said before, think, read, do your own research. You know, we encourage people when they listen to these shows to do their own research. Right. And just don't do it because the financial dads uh, said so. Right. And you're a dad yourself. We talked a little bit about that. You know, so part of that financial dads community here trying to, you know, get families, you know, better on a better 
on a yeah. better trajectory. If that's the Get right our word, kids right? listening. Oh, you know, you think I do this stuff? You want our kids listening to me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. I was going to ask you that question um, <clears throat> with your daughters. I know that they're they're not. We talked a little bit before we started taping. Um, what do you instill in them when it comes to personal finance? Are you are you uh, are there any basics? The best are, I can get them to do right now is um, I have them, when they work. I have them save twenty twenty five percent of every check. So they're good at that. One's okay. better than the other. My middle one is kind of like mini me and uh, yeah. it's just cheap. And my other one loves to spend, but she's, she's um, more creative. And my oldest one, she's a senior in college. She's a senior at Duke. And so she's, um, but she's getting it now. Cause she was like, Oh, I want to be in the arts. Dad, you don't understand. It's, it's, you know, I don't want to be in business. And now she's like, uh, she did an internship in New York. She's like, wait, it's expensive to live up here. Mm. You know, I have to work eight hours a day. That's a lot. I was like, uh-huh. Welcome to life. And uh, <laughs> I say, I always tell people, look, it's not expensive. You just can't afford it. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so, because you go back to the rich dad book, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's never say, it's not, I can't afford it. It's how can I afford it? Right. So we'll say what's expensive. I said, it's not expensive. You just can't afford it. Right. But then the follow-up question is, how can I afford it? And now mm. you put your brain to work. So I get them to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, I just saw so that and I try to, I'm trying to get them to stop equating time with money and, uh, you know, is to where does money come from? Money's a result, right? Money is a result of creating value in the marketplace. Okay. So you need to work on being valuable to the marketplace. What does the marketplace want? And if you have specialized knowledge that the marketplace wants, you're going to make a lot of money. You're going to make money, you know, and you have to work on yourself. Like I'm trying to get them to read. Or listen, I need you to read what the you're getting in school, whatever they're getting. And then I need you to read what I tell you to read, right? It's like the Brock's tale. I'm going to give you the street knowledge. I'm going to get the school knowledge, right? And um, because I listen, I make more money than all your Marxist college professors. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, so I'm trying to put you, you know, just kind of give them inside of the real world, but I want them to get them saving. I've had them re rich that poor dad. Uh, I've given all, like all my little nieces, nephews, little cousins, rich man in Babylon, millionaire maker, law, Lamar. Like, oh, you'll get a, I'm going to give you a gift card because they want money, but I'm going to give you a book. I'm going to wrap it up in a book of, of, of something because, you know, you, you have to be a financial literacy is accounting, but you have to I challenge our clients. You have to read a book a month on money. Like you can't go to work for money and not know how money works. Yeah. That's, so that's very that's, smart. That's kind of what I'm trying to instill in them. You know, they, as I get older, as they get older, I'm, I think I'm getting a little bit smarter <laughs> to them, you know, <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. No, that, that's an amazing advice, right? I think that, and it's, and it, so funny it resonates with me what you were just talking about in terms of um the uh one of my kids spends all the money one kid saves all the money so i could see those dynamics that come into play um i'd love to hear a little bit we talked about your your basketball passion and career how do you tie that to personal finance coaching uh, you know, it's funny. It's similar. I used to kind of coach uh, travel soccer and basketball. And one of the things in coaching adults is um, 
When I coach kids, here's what I took from basketball is one, I watch a lot of Kobe Bryant clips, which I love, you know, and Jordan, the work ethic, right? Because you have to have the will to prepare to win, right? And everybody wants to win, but if you don't do your reps, if you don't, you know, I saw Robert George Gervin shot five, 600 shots a day. When I was in high school, I started doing five, you know, 600 shots a day, drills, boom, boom, boom. With a friend of mine, we played workout three hours in the morning, full court one-on-one. And so I was one of the best shooters in the city, best scorers in the city, but it wasn't by accident. It wasn't, I wasn't gifted, you know, it's to work. So with this stuff, you have to do your reps. You have to, um, if you want to get good at your career, I work on knowing stuff in the financial world. You know, my biggest fear is giving bad. I don't try to give advice, but giving bad information. So I, I agonize over, you know, knowing stuff. I think in the financial world, I'll tell people, look, you know, you're, I, we always go back to the three rules of investing because I give them fundamentals and I want to show, okay, now where does what you're trying to do fit in your goals? That's why I told you your financial plan precedes your business plan because your goal is passive income twice your expenses. So then I try to hold them accountable, right? So what are you doing, right? So if your goal is, uh, let's say we meet you now and I put you in our accountability program and you're, Right now, your passive income is $1,000 a month, right? So what I want people to do is to set 12-month um, targets with 90-day objectives, right? This is part of a book. It's a great book by Brian Moran called The 12-Week Year. It's about periodization. And so I've read that book, and it was it just spoke to the basketball player in me. Like, you, you work, you, you got to get in shape, you've got to, you know, uh, uh, set goals, especially in business. Like if you're, if you're not in business, if you will be focused and you will um, not, people just waste time, right? So if you can learn how to, you know, uh, see your, I don't care if you have a job, you're always in business for yourself. You have to see yourself. Oh, this is a Brian Tracy just say that recently. And you always got to see yourself. So how do you see what you do, right? Because you're selling your labor to your employer. That's your client. But you're still in business. Like once that money hits your personal economy, what business is your money in, right? And so I try to coach them to have a, uh, you know, see the playing field. So I teach people to think from a macro standpoint. You know, you got to see the floor, as a from basketball terminology, right? You've mm -hmm. got to be in a good defensive position, right? So I, one time I did this video, I was playing ball. This on my YouTube channel somewhere, and I just got finished playing. I had my knee, my knees were sore. And I remember doing this show where I was like, all right, you got to get down because people stand up. I said, when I was coach kids, they would stand up straight. Like you have to get down in your defensive stance where your knees bent, hands out, and then you're looking at the person's way. So if they go this way, you don't have to come down. You're already down. So you can shuffle left or shuffle right. So with the, with the economy, I can't control the economy or if there's a recession, you know what I can get do is I can be in my defensive stance and now I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the, which I can see the field. I can see my player. It's like, I can see the, this person trying to go back door. Okay. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to play defense. I'm going to prepare. And then every now and then, because you're capitalized, because you have dry power powder, you can get a steal and go down for a layup. Yeah. Right? That, yep. That's that's how I think about it, you know. So I try to stay, you know, mean and lean. I try to stay nimble. I want to understand what's going on because there's always opportunities. 
if you're looking. Somebody said, how are you feel the recession? Well, I, I'm not participating. I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's amazing. No, no, I could keep talking to you all, all day on this. Hopefully, I don't know if there was some landscaping happening, happening in the background of – so I call that authenticity in the podcast. Right. <laughs> so it's but but you know I think I could go another two hours with you, and I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, we'll jump into kind of a summary recap. Some of the things that, I, and there's a lot of it. And I, I have a glass top desk with a with a expo marker, and I got okay. notes all over. It's like a beautiful mind here, but it's not that beautiful. Um, but some of the things I I took away was I love the fact that you're a big fan of pay yourself first. I've been talking about that forever, and I love when like-minded professionals and experts in their field like yourself have that same philosophy. So so thank you for that. Yeah. And then, you know, I basically, whole, I'll tell you this. I'll give you a book yeah. there. I, I, The Richest Man in Babylon is one of my favorite books, right? I basically teach chapter two of that, right? Mm. Part of all your earnings is a key, right? Pay yourself first. Budget your expenses. Manage your cash flow. Make your goal multiply. <clears throat> That's velocity. Because say you're not saving just to be saving, you're saving because you're learning what is the difference between an asset and a liability. You're learning how to buy or build cash flowing assets. Make of your home a profitable investment. Guard your treasure from loss. You know, principle two: um, um, ensure future income. Because what if what are you doing when you can't work or don't feel like working? And increase your ability to earn. Always get better. That's all. T, but you kind of start there. You have to start with paying yourself first. And, and literally, savings need to be audited. I'm, that's, listen, if I can't get people past that, we don't work together, right? Because that's the, be the beginning of velocity is saving because you have to have some capital. And what do you do with the new money? You save it. So you can do what? Buy another asset. So the whole flow is cash, asset, cash. Build some cash, buy an asset. Use that asset to buy more cash. I'm, I'm fine with you using other people's money to buy cash. Good is good debt and bad debt, right? So anyway, you you triggered me, so I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> no, no. And with that, I think I'm going to let you have the last word, plugs and takeaways, because I always listen back to the podcasts when they're done. And this one will be one of those that I think I will listen back several times at the gym. So thank you. I know I did a lot of listening today. There was a lot of great knowledge here. We really want to encourage the listeners to really digest this. And if they feel that this is a fit for them, we want them to be able to find you reach out. So if you could let us know some of your takeaways, some of your final thoughts and, and kind of plugs, um, and then we'll wrap up the show. Yeah. I think that um, hopefully if you, um, uh, I read a lot. So I challenge people to read at least a book, really two books a month on, on one on money, and uh, one on like skill developments because your number one asset is you, right? So people are always looking for what's the hot new investment deal, but your number one investment is in between your two ears, right? Because you are your number one asset. So what do you do? You got to invest in your mindset, your skill set. Skills is what makes money. So, you know, so are you reading things like Never Split the Difference? You know how to negotiate. I'm trying to get my daughter to read that right now because most kids don't, most Americans don't know how to negotiate, but most young people, don't critically think. They don't negotiate. I had to read How to Win Friends, Influence People in middle school, right? And because you have to equip them to to, to win. So that's what you want to work on. And then you want to uh, network, you know, who do you know? But more importantly, who knows you, right, is is out. So mindset, skill set, network. 
And, um, and those are the, the things I would, I would have you like on purpose, like this is your personal development plan, what books you should have planned out the 12, 15 books you're going to read next year. How are you going to get better? How much you want to have saved next year? Okay. How much passive income do you want to have next year? If you, if you have a business, what is your business revenue growth? And that should be by quarter, not by yeah, too long, you know, and looking at that kind of stuff. So those are things I want you to get kind of more focused in your, in your thinking and you have to make money. You have to make stuff happen. Can't just wait on the economy and uh, you have to attack. My, my basic posture is, 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 you know, prepare provisioning, Stop waiting for people to tell you what to do. You have to think. Curtis wants you to think. I'm not going to tell you what to think. If you call me and, uh, you know, I'm going to get your, I'm going to get you straight and then I'm going to introduce you. So if you want to learn like, oh, what are the things I can do? Uh, then you listen to the Practical Wealth Show because that's what we talk about. We just talk about wealth outside of Wall Street, right? And so are the four asset classes, business, real estate, paper, and commodities with the emphasis on cash flow. So I'm, I'm, uh, uh, Paul, I'm a really good, I found I'm a really good beach bum. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, so I like traveling and I like doing much as intense as I am. My mind is always racing, but I do like doing nothing. And, um, in warm weather with the fries and margarita, you know, but that's awesome. By the pool no. side. So you have to, but you have to build stuff to be able to do that sustainably. And that's what I want people to think about. <laughs> Very cool. So, so what, what's, so let, tell people where they can find you in terms of your uh, uh, yeah, so podcast go, website. I want, I want to encourage people to dig deep and, yes. and, and look and, and, and look at this subject matter and, and where could they get this information? How could they find you? Yeah. So I would, I would start, you can start with the podcast, the practical wealth show on iTunes, wherever you listen to that kind of stuff. Uh, if you search the practical wealth show, you'll also find us on YouTube. So I'm putting a lot, or if this is on our YouTube channel, uh, if you want to, uh, it's not done yet, so I won't get that one out. Um, maybe I'll add it later. The um, practicalwealthadvisors.com. If you um, want to have a conversation, you can go to a link that says apply to work with Curtis. Or if you're on IG, there's a link tree link in IG. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how that works completely. And, um, there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, okay. And so I have this report, I, I have this report called creating wealth using the velocity of money. So if you guys would like that, you can text, uh, P wealth to five, five, four, four, four. And, uh, we'll get that over to you. I'll put you on my mailing list. I'll let you know, we have, you know, events and webinars and, you know, things that we're doing. You know, I do a lot of educational stuff. So I'm really, uh, um, uh, like I said, banking is step two. I need to make sure that you have a good foundation so you can do banking, right? And um, I think that's enough. <laughs> well, well, Curtis, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul reminding you managing finances can be stressful. But that's why the financial dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.